it's just so rapidly evolving at the moment and your plan that you had for the start of the week well even for yesterday changes the next day or even on the same day so it's 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 super challenging super stressful i would say right now today on dirty linen we are heading to bendigo in anticipation of victoria being one again at the end of this week regional victoria and metro melbourne will rejoin come under the same restrictions and when i say restrictions well they're easing we're getting there is this it could it be we are talking today to Rianne Winsita from Miss Batarans and Mackenzie Quarters in Bendigo, a really lovely accommodation and bar establishment. Rianne Wen, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm good. I'm really happy to be talking to you. It reminds me of when I was last at your venue and it was um, it was a really lovely event that you put on for the local hospitality industry. And it, it was, I can't exactly remember when it was, but it was those in-between times when we felt like we were looking back on the pandemic. Yeah, that's right. When you were you're briefly allowed out and about. But how thrilled you guys must be out and about in Melbourne now. We're so excited come Friday to rejoin with everyone it's going to be fabulous well yeah I mean I'd love to talk to you about how you are feeling and how you're dealing with things I feel like in some ways well actually in reality you're ahead of us in terms of being open and you know dealing with this new 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 normal Um, but tell me tell me where life finds you today how are things Oh, well, I'm very flustered actually right at the moment. It's um, it's a crazy new normal. Um, and I'm glad you said new, 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 because I feel like we've been through a hundred new normals, but perhaps we're finally at the steady new normal that we're, um, that we're in at the moment. So what I'm doing right now is in between a service break. I've been working on the floor in Ms. Batterhams because we are terribly short-staffed because we have uh, several staff off isolating because they went to tier one sites here in Bendigo and are waiting for their test results. And we've got uh, a few staff who are still waiting to have their second vaccination, so they can't work um, at the moment because we are a vaccinated venue. And so I'm on the floor and running around and this is just finished lunch service and now we're just waiting for, it's the break between dinner service starting up tonight. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I, I mean, I feel like owners are going to be working harder now than ever, and that's saying something because we know that owners always work pretty hard. I mean, wh- how, like, like, just, yeah, what's what's it like? Oh, what's it like? It is crazy because you're right, a lot of the stuff I normally do is behind the scenes, but now it's, you know, obviously front of house and, um, you know, um, you know, face-to-face with customers, which I love. I love chatting, but as my um, business partner and brother reminds me, he goes, you still need to keep going with the service. You can't just stop and talk to everyone, Rianne. <laughs> <laughs> you're still going to clear their plates and give them more drinks. Um, so um, I, so we, um, we have a little chuckle about that. But it's, it is a crazy new normal at the moment because um, in Bendigo in particular, we have been super lucky because we've you know obviously been open for some time but we also haven't had very many cases of um COVID so but now um it's circulating in our community and one by one all of my hospitality friends and venues are are closing are dropping because they are becoming tier one sites and so it's kind of like you see this wave coming at you at the moment because 
a lot of our pubs are now closed. They're closed because they're a tier one site, but they're also closed because they don't have the staff because the staff are isolating because they've been to other sites. And so it's sort of like you, we're just bracing ourselves for when that happens to us because that is inevitable, really. I mean, I, I, it's, this is really one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today because I feel like this is what Melbourne venues are going to be coping with. I mean, it's inevitable, as you say. It's like we know that um, we're not trying to – We're trying to. I suppose we're trying to keep a lid on case numbers to a degree, but we're accepting of higher case numbers. And, of course, what that means is that people who have COVID will be in the community. They'll be at pubs and restaurants and cafes, you know, with, and without knowing it, they'll be uh, turning those venues into exposure sites. So, I mean, what is the actual mechanism by which – a venue knows that it's a tier one site at the moment? Well, lucky we haven't had that yet, but uh, anticipating that call at any point in time, I understand that what happens is, you know, that, that contact from DHHS happens. So they let you know that you've had a COVID positive case attend your venue and they give you the time frame that that person obviously was in the venue and then you need to enact your COVID safe plan um, and so anyone who was exposed during that um, person attending your site or if it was a staff member at the moment it seems to be the venues are closing if it's multiple staff members so um, we've had hairdressers in Bendigo who've had multiple cases of COVID in their, their staff team so they've closed down um, and then the customers have been notified. In fact, I was caught up in that one. Just I just finished my 14 days on uh, on Thursday of isolation. So, and luckily now it's only it's only one week. So <laughs> things have changed already in such a short space of time now. So yeah, that's right. So if you're a workplace contact, you have to isolate for seven days rather than 14, which which is great. Um, but I think you know, as we know, it, rostering is such a struggle at the moment anyway. To have staff just knocked out. In, in a moment because they get caught up in an exposure site must be very destabilising. But the other thing is that, I, you know, with this higher caseload, I think the Department of Health runs a few days behind. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, so what I heard from some people up your way is that they were getting the call, you know, five or six days after the exposure and you sort of wonder, well, is there much point at that point, I mean, I suppose there is. I mean, at least that everyone gets tested, you'd want to know. But, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. It is so tricky. And that is right. Well, they are running about, yeah, six days, seven days. You're finding a week out afterwards that you attended a exposure site. But the, the problem here at the moment is the amount of time it takes for testing. So the testing, you know, I was in a testing queue for five hours on the, on what was it, Tuesday, and I didn't get my result back till Wednesday at 11 p.m. So, your testing takes nearly a whole day and then the result, waiting for the result, takes, you know, another couple of days. And, again, if we're for a small business operator, it's really challenging because that's – you can't run an A team and a B team. We've looked at that because the reality is the A team, you know, you, you, your B team you can't enact because you don't have enough people in your B team because they're still waiting for their test results or they've been to an exposure site. So it's, it's really – it's super tricky. We're not sure. Like we're just holding it together at the moment, Danny. It's, um, you know, we've, we're down a lot of staff, you know, and this is uh, yesterday I had this call that came in, you know, we had a staff member who was working and um, she had, she got a call that, um, that she'd been, that she'd been quite a close contact of a, of a person with a confirmed case of COVID. So she then had to 
stop and go and isolate. And go, we'll go get a test and then isolate. And so it's just so rapidly evolving at the moment. And your plan that you had for the start of the week, well, even for yesterday changes the next day or even on the same day. So it's, it's, it's super challenging, <laughs> super stressful, I would say right now. Yeah. Well, no wonder you're a little bit flustered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just have to laugh it off now. Yeah. So, I mean, what about the payments that are available? Because there's a, there's a testing payment that's the $450 testing payment from the Victorian government if you lose a shift because you have to isolate or get a test and isolate. But the isolation payment, I'm not sure where that's at at the moment because all the documentation says it's still for that 14-day period, it's $1,500. I mean, have you had anyone that's been able to get that? I haven't, but to be honest, this has just started. So we literally, the our first staff members, so our head chef actually at the moment is in isolation because he went to a, a tier one site. So I don't, I haven't spoken to him whether he's been able to access that payment. Um, but uh, he's he's now down was only down for the seven days, so he's just waiting for his test result to come out. So, but I haven't spoken to him if he's been able to access that yet. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's all a bit of a shifting landscape. It is. It's just, it's kind of like in this very in-between stage between, you know, we've just got to get on with and live with this in our community, but we can't live with it in our community if we get shut down and, you know, can't service our customers because we don't have enough staff members. So, um, yeah, we're sort of all waiting to see <laughs> how it plays out. Um, and we wondered whether, you know, with Melbourne, with you guys coming out, with Melbourne coming out soon, maybe to draw a bit more attention to it because um, it's um, they're letting it roll out and Bendigo are not necessarily changing things as quickly as we might need them to change. Well, do you have a sense of what you think would be a good structure f- to deal with this scenario? Oh, I think, um, yeah, like that's such a good question. I, I think that, that I, for me as a business owner, what I'm looking at doing is looking at the rapid antigen testing. I think there needs to be support for that in businesses who want to con- that continuity of trade because if I know my staff, you know, if we open on a Thursday through to Sunday here, if we test everyone regularly on that Wednesday, if we get support for the, the cost of those tests from the government, we can test everyone on the Wednesday and know solidly that our staff are clear going into that trade for the weekend um, or for the week and then they do say with the rapid antigen testing that it, if you do it on a regular basis that it's, you know, somewhat more accurate. So I think something like that would help um, and certainly to be able to get those test results back and clear people for work. So, again, we don't want to be the ones to spread this, um, but we need to have some continuity of trade and just, you know, I guess that, that waiting period for the results is what's really going to kill us. So if we've got some way that we can get those results done, really quickly on a regular basis and ensure we're not going to be spreading it to any of our customers or other staff members. I think that's probably the key. That's what I'm looking at. And a, a, probably a direct line into to DHHS at the moment is, is what small business really needs, some direct support so that they can get clarity on what to do and how to do it really quickly. So that, again, they're supporting the economy, but they're also supporting the, the, the non-spread of the virus. Yeah, I mean, it it defeats the purpose if it's a week 
you know, the, the information's a week, running a week behind the infection um, or the potential transmission. And you know what it also just came to my mind is that bloody COVID safe app that we all downloaded like last April or whatever it was. Like, isn't that, that was supposed to ping if we were in, um, if we, you know, that, like, it, I don't know, like that, if that worked, surely that would help as well. But yeah, that's right. If you, yeah, if you got a ping and let you know that um, you checked in somewhere and you needed to go and get a test straight away, that'd be great. You would be much closer than, you know, that'd be um, much quicker than the seven day you know, turnaround from an individual call. So, I mean, what do you have to do from a business point of view? Like your head chef suddenly knocked out. Does that sort of make you think that, okay, we need to perhaps reframe our menus or have a, a plan B menu or, you know, a different way of running a service if you do have more staff knocked out? Yeah, well, it does. It makes you, it does make you think how you know, well-trained all your current staff are and can they cope. And, you know, and again, we are um, – and we're not the only ones in this, but we are still looking for for staff to join our team. And we're you know we we run an event space as well as you mentioned. And so for us, this gearing up towards the end of the year, which is Christmas parties, and um, we do a lot of weddings and events here as well. So um, we're at the moment we're just gearing up for our normal, you know, sort of end of the year um, season. And now it's you're right. It's sort of thinking, well, actually, we're probably going to need more staff. And now I think that we. Um, I guess the challenge is you know, the more you hire, we've got that continuity of um, business trade, that's fine. But if we see ourselves down for a week or two, then that's tricky because you've just doubled your staffing costs. So there's all these things that we are weighing up. Um, we certainly, we are about to launch a new menu for our summer, um, a summer menu with us as we change every season. Um, and I'm conscious of not putting too much pressure on the kitchen to, to do that um, quite so quickly. And we did, you know, we did say, let's just hold it off for one more week because you know, we want to see how this now plays out in our community at the moment. So I think we're, we're going a little easier on our, um, our changes and um, not rushing to, to do anything too drastic too soon because you're right, we just don't know what's around the corner. Mm. And I mean, Bendigo is such a great community. Has there been any thought of, I don't know, somehow trying to pull staff or collaborate or, uh, is, I mean, tell me, has there been anything like that? That's, that's so interesting you mentioned that. I just, um, we just, we've got a little Facebook hospitality page um, that we all jump on and, and share ideas and, and whatnot. And we have been um, on there talking about developing or putting together uh, a pool of uh, staff. So there's, you know, um, suggestions in there to use retire retirees or sort of, you know, um, hospitality experts who might be sort of in that semi-retirement stage or just be able to, as business owners, jump in and share our skills with other businesses. So that has just been flagged because you're right, it is a, we're so lucky in Benio, we've got a really supportive community here in our hospo space and we all recognise it's actually better for everyone if we're all open and operating because we, you know, we breathe, you know, we um, build off each other. So um, it has been flagged. It's, um, I've got a little recruitment background and, you know, in a previous life. So I sort of think, um, how can I put this together and, and make it a usable forum for, for us, for our um, other business owners? So we're just in the initial stages of, of workshopping how that's going to look, but hopefully something good comes from it. It's interesting, isn't it? Sort of like that idea of a surge workforce, which we, you know, the ambos have done it, or the nurses have done it. You know, people are being called back in to to be on the front line. I mean, it seems like, yeah, there must be people out there who would have the skills, but perhaps aren't working in the industry at the moment, or that I don't know could be 
shared across workplaces. But then on the other hand, when I say that, I sort of think about, well, aren't we all supposed to be trying to be in bubbles and trying to, you know, restrict that spread across venues? But on the other hand, um, because now I have three hands, um, (laughs) if you've got, you know, hospo workers that are going to the pub on their night, on their day off anyway, I mean, then they might as well be doing a shift there. Hey. Well, that's it. Maybe, maybe that's the key. Maybe as they dine in, just do a little call out in the dining room. Does anyone just want to wash some dishes or serve some plates? Is anyone on this plane a doctor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but yes, I, and it's true. I mean, we're all we're all vaccinated. Well, well, we're nearly all double vaccinated. So you know, that's got to offer us some protection and some you know reassurance that we can operate in each other's venues. So um, you know, so I think hopefully something will come from it, and then we do. We will be able to, you know, share some resources. So, I think we're just going to nut out the logistics of it. But you're right; it's it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all at the moment. In fact, it's harder. I think now trying to operate in this transition stage because I think we've spent, you know, the last eighteen months, um, and the government has, you know, talked, you know, talk, you know, had the message must get vaccinated, obviously, and be fearful of this virus. And now it's here and it's actually in our community and it, the risk of you getting it's even higher. Even if you're vaccinated, obviously you you, you, you may get it, but you may get mild, you know, only mild symptoms. So there's this an adjustment period now for diners coming out because actually, you know, they've been told to be afraid of it for so long and now it's here. Do I, am I still afraid of it or should I be okay when I'm vaccinated? So there's kind of like, I think a lot of people, and it is a, has been a little quieter on the streets actually the last um, sort of week or, or this last week, this weekend in particular, because I think people are just adjusting to that new normal as patrons as well. So Yeah, I, I think I really recognise that. I think it does feel really weird. It's a massive mind shift to think, well, I'm going out you know, into the virus, in, into into the fog of corona um, and I've got to somehow be okay with it. I don't know, I, I, for myself, you know, I feel so grateful to venues that are, you know, I guess being compliant and doing the, doing the best that they can do to make sure that everyone there is vaccinated. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, it is definitely a mindset shift. Um, but it's interesting you said that you're, you've got staff that, a single vax, so they're not working. You're a vaccinated workplace. So, you, so in the regions, you haven't actually, you don't need to do that until this Friday when the rules join, the metro and regional rules join. But do, do you sort of decided to be a bit ahead of the game there? Did you? Um, we did, and we we chatted about it. It just meant that we could do more people inside. So we were already open at doing our ten people inside, but we um, it just I thought you know enabled us to do uh, more people in Ms. Bathams and we had people spread outside as well. And then again, with the staff shortage of um, attending exposure sites, we were thinking it's easier for us to keep everyone who's in the venue in one particular area, in a safe area, but not spread outside and inside and, and, and then trying to be, I mean, we've got a quite a big venue. So there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of kilometres I travel <laughs> to get to one end from the other. It's not kilometres, but it's, it's a lot of steps. Well, it probably uh, adds up to kilometres. <laughs> I think it might. It, certainly my feet feel like it this after this weekend. Um, but uh, so that was, you know, that was a choice that we made. And I think it, it was also a choice we make to make sure our staff are safe and um, our patrons are safe. We sort of really discussed that we're not going to make any choices with a 
you know, global pandemic, our staff come first and ensuring that all of our patrons were vaccinated at this point in time with so much, so much more virus circulating in the community was actually a choice for our team more than anyone as well. Mm. I think I think that's great. I mean, goodness me, when I hear you talk about it, all the things you have to think about and the, you know, this rule and that rule and this change and that change and this change that's coming in a week and then that staff member's phone to say this and then this person this. That's and, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I bet you just have so much information in your mind, like all the second doses. I bet you know every – I bet you've got them all diarised. It's just – um. It's a lot, isn't it? It is a lot. I think I've written, I mean, we opened in February last year and I think I've written about 10 different business plans to adjust to the changes or, or inside or outside or density quotas or, or whatnot. I mean, we've got a little couple of different areas of our business as well. So, um, you know, with one change because we've got accommodation and we've got functions as well and then we've got the restaurant, there's, you know, it's not just one area that we're looking at that changes, it's multiple areas and then what does that mean? So, yeah, I think I, I feel like I've become an expert in business plan writing <laughs> and COVID safe plan writing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure a lot of business owners and yeah, hospitality workers have developed so many new skills and you sort of won't realize how applicable they are, you know, as you know, it'll be years years down the track something will pop up and you'll be like, "I know how to do that. I could nothing's going to phase me." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um Rianne, when you know, for people who don't know Miss Batterhams and um, McKenzie Quarters, let's just erase uh, COVID for a minute and tell me about your business. Just draw, just paint a bit of a picture. Yeah, great. I totally can. I'd love to erase COVID. That would be great. Um, So we've got um, a few different elements to McKenzie Quarters. So McKenzie Quarters is what we call the whole complex. And then within that, we've got our Ms. Batterhams, which is our sort of flagship restaurant slash lounge bar. So when we opened in February last year, we really set out to create like a speakeasy kind of lounge bar feel in Bendigo, um, something from New York or the laneways of Melbourne. And um, so that space was sort of is moody and um, intimate and, and, and it was sort of going to be a bit more bar and casual dining. Um, and I think with COVID happening and the, the, you know, the forced sort of, you know, sit down and seated service, we m- moved much more to a restaurant style and we were lucky to secure a fabulous head chef. So, um, it's become much more restaurant and we've done set menus and, and again, you know, that dining and seated service. So, um, so that element is open for lunch and dinner on your Thursday through to Sunday. And then we've got so our venue here is actually was built as an old school. So we've got this beautiful, it was actually built by the Anglican Church. So it's got really beautiful um, high ceilings in the upstairs space for our um, Mackenzie Hall area, which is where we do our functions and events and our weddings. Um, and Ms. Batterhams is located in the basement underneath that. So which I think would have been a cellar, you know, previous to to um, its use now as a, a restaurant. So so the hall we use for weddings and events, like I mentioned, we, um, we do corporates here. And then we've got an outside space, sort of courtyard or a sunken courtyard, as we call it, where the old stables was and, um, and a spritz lounge. So sort of, you know, a, a very, um, again, casual area, but we do functions and ceremonies and um uh, events out in that space as well and then next door where the principal lived uh we've got accommodation so we do and that's in the residence of Mackenzie quarters so it's a beautiful old red brick building um i think you've you saw it before we even started renovating it so now you've seen that you've also seen the finished products so yeah oh you should be so proud it's an incredible transformation and just a business with so many different elements uh, it's uh, the kind of place when you go there well anyway for me i just fa- have it just 
I fantasize about all the different occasions that I could be there for, you know, like um, girls' weekends, family catch-ups, yeah, like somebody's wedding, um, yeah, the kind of business night that we had there. It's um, yeah, definitely uh, martinis in the bar as well. Uh, it's it's a great place and, goodness me, you opened right before all this nonsense and um, won't it be great if, uh, you know, we're sort of climbing our way out of it and you can just actually <laughs> go back to business plan A perhaps at least in some degree <laughs> super excited i think um dan did an announcement today and and uh we all just jumped for joe when he said you know everything you know density quote is gone it's all out on the 24th of november and when we're 90 percent back to normal no masks even and we're just like what well now we can really do what we set out to to do back in february so we are yeah really optimistic and super excited about um what's to come and this is just another little hiccup at the moment i guess with the the transition in you know living with COVID. so it's just another yeah we'll get through it um and just on Melbourne coming to the regions, what does that mean for Bendigo? Oh, that's huge for us. We just, we miss our Melbourne people. We love having them here and we love showcasing Bendigo to them. And this, there is a huge amount of support in Melbourne for us as well. So um, we've got a beautiful art gallery here and it's frequented by lots of Melburnians and they come up regularly for weekends. And we just, we really notice the um, the, vibrancy in the vibrancy in the streets when they come and it's, we're just thrilled for, for Friday. We're thrilled that they're out at the moment and we just can't wait to have them back and host them in our city again. So, yeah, we're totally happy to be united again. I know. It's going to be so good. You know, I, I just have this vision of myself on the tr- on a train to the country with, like, you know, trees and paddocks and horses, you know, on either side flitting by and the noise of the train. And, uh, yeah, I was so excited. I can't wait to be one state again and um, enjoy regional Victoria. Um, well, Rianne, when it's been so great to hear from you, get your perspective. It's – I can – I can feel the fluster, but I also feel the optimism and the hope. Uh, So good luck navigating this tricky time and, yeah, just wish you a brilliant summer. Oh, thank you, Danny. Thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate it. And thank you for all you've done for our hospitality community. I think without your interpretations of the legislation and um, posts, I don't know if we could have navigated it as well as we have. So you've done an outstanding job and we just really appreciate it. So very much well i'm sure you would have been okay but thanks for saying that i will definitely come and have a drink we with would you. really love that all right all right take care thanks so much this is dirty linen and i'm danny valent we air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives we want to hear from you as well if you have something that needs to be said about a topic get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.